Hi, I am Coach Emilio. Welcome to the Escuela del Sur. If you are a sports coach, do you want to find more freedom in your decisions and opportunities and find solutions in the day-to-day -day work of your profession? This podcast is for you. I will tell you from my experience as a coach in Dubai and interviews with coaches around the world, the habits, techniques, valuable background, and tools that can guide you and give you more results with less effort. I invite you to give your coaching career more possibilities and confidence in the competitive world of sport. Listen to our episode to get ideas to optimize your professional profile with continuous improvement so you can get more results, improving your quality of life along with your profession and your passion. We start. Welcome to Escuela Sur. We are here with a special guest from South Africa, Durban. This I'm so glad is Embrace here. Embrace Farland from Durban. Welcome, Senor. Thank you, Mira. Finally. Finally. <laughs> I waited like this was my gift birthday, I know. <laughs> because, yes, I asked so many times for this moment, but yes, we will enjoy this interview because we have too much to say, too much to ask and answer from your experience. Uh, how are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, yeah busy. Always busy. It's always busy. <laughs> <laughs> Decision and timing, maybe. Something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, Embrace, explain to all the listeners in our podcast and YouTube who you are. Wow. Okay, I'll try and start from the beginning. So, I started gymnastics quite late. Um, if you Compared to most gymnasts, I started when I was 10 years old. I was dragged to gymnastics. I didn't want to do it. And from the moment I set in the gymnastics floor and started, I didn't want to leave. And I'm still here. It's now 43 years later. So, yeah, it's been a long journey. Long journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was when I was 10 and I did gymnastics. Um, Fairly competitively for about seven years. Uh, so I was so I finished school, and then when I finished school, went to university. I uh, took up surfing and gave up gymnastics, but I was still in the gym every day. I was coaching, helping out the club, and uh, from there went to the army for a year and uh, didn't do any gymnastics, and then finished that. Came out and I got offered a job at a club in Durban uh, called Pointing Gymnastics Club, and uh, that was to take over the role of a, as a head coach for the boys. And that was basically where my coaching started, where my real, call it real coaching started. Before that, I coached and helped out, uh, coached beginners. Um, and then I started, I was still coaching beginners and uh, some boys that had potential. And from there, I continued coaching. I got into judging because it uh, complemented the coaching. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to coach, but um, if you don't understand the rules of the sport, it becomes more difficult. So if you can understand the rules of the sport, it's easier to coach. So 
that was one of the reasons I took up judging, and then I ended up being quite good at the judging. Um, I think now we're about 1997-ish, um, and uh, sort of I was still doing gymnastics for fun, uh, still do actually, and um, then I got into the judging um, quite seriously. Uh, I eventually ended up doing an intercontinental course. Uh, well, I got a Category 1 license for judging. Um, I did three cycles, I think it was. Um, and then, obviously, the whole time I was coaching at the same time uh, some of the top gymnasts in South Africa. And I went to uh, a few nice events, um, African Championships, or African Games, that was in Africa, and then I think I went, I went to Egypt, to uh, Algeria, a few other places within Africa. And then in the Commonwealth, I judged two Commonwealth Games, uh, the one in Melbourne and the one in Birmingham, I mean, Birmingham uh, Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, in 2002. Um, one in Melbourne was 2006, if I recall correctly. Um, so I judged at those two, and then World Championships. Uh, I lose track of what I did. Um, World Cup in Spain. Um, and then uh, my last event was 2009. It was my last international event where I went as a coach to London for the World Championships. And then after that, um, I took a sabbatical for a short while, and then I got back into coaching again. And then we ended up 2018, I moved to Dubai. And yeah, quite a different um, scenario. Uh, You go from a very, very structured uh, structured, we having uh, regional competitions, national competitions, international competitions, to a structure where there is no, um, there's no gymnastic sporting body as such. Um, so it's very, very different, very commercialised. Um, so you have to change your philosophy and your way of coaching and your way of thinking because uh, the gymnasts have a different philosophy and a different way. So um, it is very different coaching here compared to back in South Africa. Um, But in the end, coaching is coaching. You're still teaching skills one after the other and you're still teaching routines. In that sense, gymnastics is the same. It's just the mental aspect of the gymnast changes slightly and then you as a coach have to adapt it. It's not as competitive yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly not as competitive as even even back in South Africa, which is not, not considered a real top uh, gymnastics nation. Um, even that was more competitive than Dubai's. And, you know, obviously because you're having, everyone has that build up through the year, they start, uh, you know, you start getting, getting into it, you start learning your skills, you learn your connections, you learn your half routines, and you go into your full routines, and then you go into your um, 
lines, the terminal calendar, as you know, and, uh, you do you go from one term to the next, and you're not even sure if the kid's going to come back in next term, which is it really doesn't make sense in, in sport like gymnastics, which is takes such a long time for someone to develop. So, you know, to come even in gymnastics, even to come for years, not long enough. You know, and if you're thinking from term to term, it's just crazy to, to just. But also maybe because the guys are dynamic, see, a lot of people come, a lot of people leave. Well, that's exactly yeah, yeah, The long process is difficult yeah. to me. It is, it is a dynamic city, but it's, you know, having said that, it's uh, to the detriment of the sport. Um, but I suppose, in a sense, is there anything you can do about it? But I think it's also a lot to do with the mindset of the people. Um, people think. Mm, more short term here, and possibly that's you know one of the reasons. But uh, unfortunately, it's the sport or the person that's doing the sport that's actually suffering because they're never going to achieve what they really want to achieve. Because um, you know, from what I've seen in the sport and being coaching for so long, um, it takes years. You know, even five years is short. So you know, if you think about even girls' gymnastics, which is relatively quick. Compared to boys' gymnastics, if you take a young girl from starting gymnastics, which is normal age to start gymnastics, if you want to do high performance, is five years old, and they're going to become probably highly competitive at 15, 16 years old. That's already 10 years, and that's just that you know that's that's a, that's considered short. So you know. Uh, I think when you come to looking at the region, UAE bias, it's, it's not a mindset that's good for a sport, especially a sport like gymnastics. There might be other sports out there that you can adapt a little bit quicker to, um, but uh, gymnastics, unfortunately, is not one of them, so it does suffer in that sense. I, I saw how the gymnastic development culture and GCC here works, and yes, it's, it's if we, we don't have this government, governmental way with FIG, like South Africa, you have there because everyone joined in a club and you can see, okay, we have this competition, we have these rules, we have this politics for make the rule uh, for compete. But you have a clear structure for how you can do it here. We don't have, maybe we have freedom, but we don't have the, the structure. We certainly have freedom, but we, we definitely don't have a structure. I mean, you know, we've got, there's no, there's no judging criteria, there's no, you know, there's two systems that clubs work by. One is the USAG system, the other one is the FIG. You know, how are the coaches qualified, how are the judges qualified. You go to a competition, most of the judges probably had a judge's qualification and are not qualified anymore. But they're still judging. So, you know, that doesn't have the setup for, for success in, in the sport, unfortunately. Um, I presume what could happen, uh, and with successful gymnasts, they could um, train here and compete in their nationality. That could work, um, but you know, then they have to realise uh, that they're in it for the long term. The kids have to realise that, and the parents actually have to realise they're in it for the long term, and they've got to make sure that they have a plan that they're starting. Uh, and, and they totally coach that plan. So they start in the beginning of the year or the beginning of the cycle 
and they start learning moves and they let their coach know that's what they want to do, they want to learn moves, and they only start competition preparation at a specific time of the year, not the end of every term, which is what is happening in Dubai. So, um, you know, you need to have that structure so that they can, so that they've got something to follow. And they need to also know that they're in it for the year, or at least the year. Now, I know in South Africa, when you um, register with a club, you register for the year. Not for a term. You know, not for a term, yeah. You know, why would you register for a term and then, then decide at the end of the term, why am I going to carry on? You can't, you can't, you can't achieve anything like that. The mindset must be, I'm in it for the long run. The mindset must be that I, once I start, I'm going to keep going. And if you're having to reassess yourself every term, I don't think that's healthy. You know, that you need a long-term commitment. Commitment, yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, the other thing is also, uh, I mean, Dubai, we all know that when the summer comes in Dubai, it's, it's pretty unbearable. So a lot of people leave the country, go back not to announce too much. Yeah. So, you know, for to be off any sport for two Sometimes in two and a half months yeah. is a long time. I mean, you cannot take a two and a half month break, especially when you start getting competitive. You know, yes, if you're a recreational gymnast and you're coming in and you're gymming twice a week for an hour, that's okay. But if you're a competitive gymnast and that's what you want to do, it's not not practical. It's not so, for your, yeah, for, yeah. For your so the gymnasts either have to go back to their when they go back to their country for these breaks, they need to be doing gymnastics, and a lot of them aren't. So they don't find a club in there, uh, wherever their nationality might be or wherever their other home might be. They don't have a club that they can link up with and continue their gymnastics for those two months and then come back and still be fresh and still be you know, like, like well prepared. Instead they go off and they go to the beach or they go skiing or they do whatever and they come back and they haven't done gymnastics for two months and it's almost like starting again. The first two weeks of terms taken up by uh, physical preparation and getting them, yeah, yeah. getting them back into it, you know, getting the muscles working again, getting the neural system working. And, you know, so you're wasting two weeks of the term just doing that. You should be doing And what Japanese coach told me, uh, because this is about culture, this is incredible. Did you remember when we were talking about all the values of the cultures? And teams of gymnastic coaches bring a, a lot. Uh, this coach is from Tokyo and he traveled to Canada and they had, I don't know, two weeks holidays. And he can understand how you stop two weeks without gymnastics because for him, in Japan, you don't have two weeks break. And it's incredible how you have this cultural clash when you see all the realities and you understand, oh, look, I have two weeks when I don't have my gymnast, he said. Oh, I can improve my gymnast if I have two weeks break. They're also the gymnasts need that because it's, it's tough. Uh, Sips, uh, we have the interview the last time with Sips, and he said it was two years back to back. Yeah, but course. here is two months, he said, it's a lot of time. Is that and that's, then, you know, that's, that's a, the norm. I mean, I'm, I don't consider South Africa being a top gymnastics country, as I've said before. You know, if, even in South Africa, if we took a week off, it was a lot. And normally that week we took off was between Christmas and New Year, and that was it. Was so, family, gymnastics? Yeah, 2nd of January, we were back. We 
were back in the training hall and you might have stopped on the 24th of December, you know, and that was, that was your week that you got off. There was the occasion when uh, one of the gymnasts' family were going on vacation and they would go with them, but it would only be a week. It, would never, it was very, very seldom that they would go for anything longer than that. And if they were going longer than that, they normally try to arrange to hook up with another gymnastics club wherever they were going so they can do some training. You know, that's the crazy thing. But that's the mindset. You know, here the mindset is not like that. You know, it's, oh, I'm going on holiday. You know, I'm going to go to the beach in Greece or I'm going to go to the, you know, the slopes and the Alps or whatever. And, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ski or I'm going to lie on the beach for, for two months. And also the mindset for bring some goals without the effort you need to spend because it's every time we talk about Okay, so coaches want to bring a good level of coaching, but they don't figure out how many effort you need to do to bring this level of coaching. Like, you need to pay time and resources for this. I have a question for you. What about the club in South Africa? I have in my mind, maybe you can explain this to the listeners. Hope growth, because I remember you told me about it was a little place you, I don't know how many years you spent there, and how we start to use more spaces and mats and equipment. What was this for the gymnasts and for the parents? Look, it took many, many years to see that, to see the growth. I mean, uh, I remember when I arrived, first arrived at the 10 years old, and yet, you know, we had a, we had a couple of mats on the floor, and we had some bars, and then it's funny that the clubs, uh, tend to grow with the gymnasts. So it was a new club, it was all young kids or small kids, you know, so you don't need a you don't need a high, high bar, you just need you just need a normal high bar, you know, like a low bar or and some small P bars. Um, you know, you start like that and mats that are just on the floor because all you're doing are you know four rolls, back rolls and back handsprings and that. And then as you start as the club starts to as the gymnasts started to grow in the club, I remember that uh, we, we started learning giants. But the problem was, was that when you did giants, with the high bar, you could touch your feet on the roof. So then it was like, okay, well, now what do we do? Well, we have to find new premises because you, you know, the, the, we need the senior boys in the club could now, now touch their feet on the roof and jump. So we had to move. We had to find another club, another venue, yeah. and then. And then gradually, you know, then you, then you start doing lineup enhancement back tags, and then you want to start doing more advanced, more advanced skills. And then it's okay, now we need a sprung floor, you know. So we used to go to other clubs to go and use their sprung floor, but it's not obviously not ideal. You obviously want your own, so you start off with a strip of just sprung floor. Right, strip. Exactly. So you don't have a full floor. We never had a full floor for ages. Um, so And it just grew and grew and grew. I mean, you know, from and not fast. When I say grew and grew and grew, this was through many years. I mean, um, now Alton is a beautiful facility. It's a huge, huge, two massive halls and you know, two full floors and full set of men's apparatus, full set of women's apparatus, you know, extra training bars, a pit. Whereas in the beginning there was no pit. A couple of mats, no sprung floor, not even a sprung strip. So, you know, we, it, it just, the gym, if I could say it, the best way of saying it is that it grew with the gymnasts. And as the demand got more, as the gymnasts got better, 
you needed better apparatus for the gymnasts. So even the senior boys I saw, you know, we used to have real uh, sort of equipment that wasn't FIG spec. And um, and then gradually it was like, okay, we've got to get FIG spec. We can't, you know, we're competing on this this type of equipment. We go to international tournaments and they're using, you know. It's a different stiffness. Yeah, everything's, yeah, everything's different, you know. So it becomes a state where you have to get the equipment. If you want to keep up, you know, if you want to keep those high-level gymnasts and you want to keep up in the sport, you have to do that. So that was gradually what happened. And there was never a lot of money in the sports and gymnastics, so a lot of reliability on the government, supplying equipment and that, which would come, but it, it, it did take a while for it to come. Great. You, do you, when was the first gymnast come to your mind when you think of all this experience, all this travel, all these years in Titan? When is the first gymnast you remember? <laughs> the first gymnast I remember. Uh, I think there were quite a few gymnasts that, that you know, came through uh, different eras. Um, probably uh, one of my gymnasts of time, Morris, he was probably the one that comes to mind because he started with me when he was six and he did gymnastics with me until he was 26. So, you know, that was 20 years of one gymnast. Not that he was the only gymnast, there obviously were other boys that competed with him, other boys in his group, and I had all the gymnasts also competing at the same time. But he's probably the one that spent the longest time with me. I did have another uh, another friend of mine, who's now a friend of mine, Barnes, Barnes who was a, uh, also a gymnast. I'm trying to think when he came to some, I think he might have been about 14, 15 when he first came to uh, through to Pine Town. Then he, gym, he also did with me for a long time, over 10 years. So, yeah, look, it's, it's as far as gymnastics go, and there, you know, there's a good example. Lance was from a town in South Africa called East London, and you know, they never had quite the equipment and, and everything that they needed. So, he, that was one of the reasons that he sort of moved, and he also moved to go to university. So, he must have, maybe he was 18 when he came, because he moved on to university and then he came to Wanda. But I know he had been there before. And uh, yeah, I mean, so he stuck around for a long time. Um, but yeah, like I said, Tyron was, one, was the one that sort of outlasted everyone else, like I said, for a better sense of the word. Um, started in the sixth, and like I said, finished when he was 26, which is a long run, or 20 years. I had gymnasts come in when they were a little bit older. Uh, I had another, another boy, uh, Lindo, Lindo, uh, and he. I think he started when he was like 9 or 10. Um, and yeah, he went all the way through also. It was just the sips. Um, so yeah, there, 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 are a lot of, there are a lot of boys. I mean, we had great times. We had really... Uh, the thing I really enjoyed about uh, time coaching with, and the relationship between myself and the boys was that it was always a good relationship. We always had a lot of fun. You know, the guys trained hard. I was a bit of a hard taskmaster at that stage of my coaching, um, but we got this, we got some successes, which was which was fantastic, and we had a lot of fun doing it. We had a, we had a lot of fun in the gym. And well, the episode has come to an amazing end. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time on the podcast for Coaches of the World, Escuela del Sur. 
don't forget to subscribe, give us a 5-star rating, and check out all the episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, LinkedIn, and YouTube as Escuela del Sur. See you next time!